Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. What's up? Hey, I'm your host, Ellie Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. I want to take a moment at the top of this show to wish all of you lovebirds out there in podcast land a very, very, very happy Valentine's Day. Happy February 14th. We have dedicated today's show to celebrating this day of love. And to that end, we've invited five of our favorite double artist couples onto the show. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Get ready for singer-songwriter Natalie Prass and partner Eric Slick of Dr. Dog Lithuania and also just dropped the fantastic solo record Bullfighter. Then, New York hip-hop lovebirds Malibu Mitch and Chase Money Mars. After that, Talk House regular Sadie Dupuy of Speedy Ortiz and Sad 13 and Dylan Baldy of Cloud Nothings. Then we cross the country for Hollywood heartthrobs, writer-producer-actress Heather Turman and actress Heather Matarazzo. Ever see Welcome to the Dollhouse? Ever see Princess Diaries? Finally, closing out today's show, indie rock darlings Katie Crutchfield, a.k.a. Waxahachie, and Kevin Morby. Now, listeners, we sent each couple two questions. One, what is the worst part about being half of an artistic couple? Two, what's the best part? And we got a lot of answers back. Over the course of today's show, you're going to hear about intercouple artistic competitiveness, the strains of touring on a relationship, having recording sessions on your spouse's birthday, and the perils of dating, quote, civilians. But listeners, I thought that it was only fair that if I send our favorite artists out into this potential relationship minefield, that I walk amongst those minds myself. And to that end, I would like to welcome my wife, Amy Phillips, also known as the managing editor of Pitchfork, to the Talk House podcast for the very first time. Amy, welcome to the show. Hey, Elia. Thanks. And, and kind of welcome to our couch. We're recording this one at home. Yes, we are. While our 18-month-old daughter is asleep. Shouts Conway. <laughs> okay, babe, let's get into this. You and I are both music media professionals. Professional music fans. We are. We are professional music fans. And I wonder, Amy, what is the worst part about being <laughs> married to a fellow professional music media person? Oh, man, I was hoping you would go first on the worst part one. Can't I just throw my wife under the bus here? Well, you know, we both work in a profession in which a lot happens at night and on weekends. Yeah, that's true. And so uh, the idea of having a nine to five and then, you know, your industry shuts down doesn't exist it's for us. impossible. Right. So I think we both really struggle with the work-life balance and we're both expected to be answering emails and available at all hours. It's very difficult. Yes. It's very difficult. I know that is the case with a lot of industries, of course. That's true. I, actually, the thing I was thinking sort of relates to that. I was thinking one really difficult thing, just logistically for us, we have our daughter Conway, and I feel like you and I both get invited to a lot of dope shit, the same dope shit, Yes. At night. And, uh, you know, finding a babysitter can sometimes be pretty difficult. <laughs> and I find that oftentimes one of us ends up taking a friend Yes. Or a coworker to something that we would have gone to together. Like, for example, we have tickets to see Robin at Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't be surprised at all 
if you're at Madison Square Garden and me and Conway are dancing on our own to Robin here <laughs> in Fort Greene at our apartment. I will definitely be at Madison Square Garden. You're on your own. You're I'm the sorry. Fan. I'm sorry. It's Robin. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. If it was Jane Birkin, it would be me. Yeah. So, you know, you also do a lot of work with Pitchfork. You host Pitchfork Radio. Yeah, I do a ton of the over unders right, for Pitchfork right. TV. I do a lot of their podcasts too. Right. Yeah. You do a lot of their podcasts, do the Inside Out series, uh, which is awesome and it's great. It's just. That's just a little weird when you're talking with someone in a different part of the company that doesn't know that you're my husband and they're talking about Elio like another employee and no, it's just, you have to kind of (laughs) separate your brain to be like work brain and personal brain. Totally. You know, where we can be sitting there talking about, okay, should we book this guest, blah, 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 blah. Or we're all on an email chain about some logistical matter. And then it's like, I'm also texting you, hey, can you pick up grapes on the way home? <laughs> totally. I don't Our know if that's bad, though. Grapes. That's not bad. No, it's no, good. but it is a little weird. It is a little weird. I'll say what, what I think is the, the best thing, at least for me, is that you and I came to being music media professionals in pretty much diametrically opposed ways. I came up through being in a band that had some real success. And I did, you know, a couple thousand interviews as the front person of that band until one day a huge radio producer in Chicago said, you're really good at this. Would you come and host for us? And that was the beginning of my career on this side, on the dark side. <laughs> but you have been writing for music papers since you were literally a teenager. Yeah, you know, I've been writing professionally about music for 20 years. I started, you know, in college writing and interning at places like The Village Voice and CMJ and joined Pitchfork in 2005. So I've always been on the other side of that. So I feel like I've learned so much from you about the way that that side of the industry works. And, yeah. and and I also like to pick your brain because you know so much about music. Well, and I've certainly learned a ton from you. Having never been in a band, you know, I can't play music, really. You sing a mean baby shark. <laughs> well, our daughter would agree with you. But just from the artist's perspective, it's very helpful and very insightful to have an artist to ask these questions to and to learn from. The fact that we share a common language is the best part. You know, music is my life, it's your life, and having that be such a strong part of our partnership is such a big thing. And and even just smaller things like knowing other people in the industry, knowing how things work, it's something really special about that that I think people who work in two different fields don't get. Totally. It's funny. I I guess for like 90% plus and 10% minus, we live music almost 24-7. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, my love, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule running one of the best music websites in the world. Oh, I'm sorry. One of? Well, you know, TalkHouse is pretty good. (laughs) TalkHouse is pretty good. (laughs) But it's not just a music website. That's true. That's true. Well, anyway, I love you and happy Valentine's Day. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And now for the show. Up first, Natalie Prass and Eric Slick. Eric. Hi. hi. <laughs> oh my God. Hello, I'm Eric Slick. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Talk like that. What? That's how I sound. No. Hi, I am Eric Slick. Hello, I'm Eric Slick. Doesn't that sound like me? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, Eric sounds like this. I sound like this. I'm Eric Slick. Hello, my name's Eric. <laughs> I'm Neely Preet. That's how I sound. Especially now that I have a cold. Natalie has a cold. She's weathering a, a, a mean storm right now. And you're weathering a meme storm. Um. <laughs> Always. 
Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is a Valentine's Day thing. Yep. A, a holiday that we often don't get to spend together because we're always on tour. tour. That's yeah. like touring. Jan Feb is a big touring time for musicians. Yeah, Jan Feb, which is for all the listeners out there, short for January and February. <laughs> but we're Eric we're, and I met on tour. No, we didn't. We met at a venue watching Doctor Dog when you before you were in Doctor Dog. Before I was in the band, yeah. Yep. And then I was in a band playing guitar, opening for Dr. Dog after you joined. Right. And that's when we... So we've always been based around... Our relationship is based on music stuff. Yeah. And then in the end of 2015, Natalie and I started seeing each other. And and now we're engaged. And now we're engaged. So the best part of being a musician is what? Dating (laughs) Being a musician. I mean, dating a musician. Dating and being engaged to a musician? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. I guess, well, you play drums with me when you're not touring with Dr. Dog, so that's really nice Mm -hmm. that you can be part of, you know, that really big part of my life in a very intimate way. You totally understand touring and making music with uh, other people and just that whole lifestyle, how difficult it is on your body and your brain being gone for so long and it's a lot of physical labor, <laughs> you yeah, know? it is. And you really helped me with all that stuff. Like you helped me lift my heavy naps and shit. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, I mean, I, from my perspective, the best part of being with a musician is that, yeah, that's that base level understanding. Because we do the same thing, we can like talk about it and complain about the same things, but also like when we have our successes, we can celebrate them and it feels like warranted. We like understand each other's like ups and downs in music as well. Yeah. Oh, that's our dog Marvin. You can hear his collar. Hey Marvin. That's awesome. Another great part of being with a musician is that you have a really cute dog. That your parents take care of when you're on the road. Mm -hmm. That's the worst part of being a musician is not being able to take your dog with you. But what's the worst part of dating a musician? (laughs) Sometimes it's like, okay, you know what? From my perspective, the worst part is like, because we do music full time, sometimes we can just get caught up in talking about like boring music stuff. And I have to like, Sometimes I feel like I in my, maybe I'm the only one who goes through this in my That's brain. That's nowhere near as bad as what I was about to say. What are you about to say? That's like people just talk about boring shit all the time when you're when you're in a relationship. I guess what I would okay. Well, from my perspective, it was like sometimes I feel like I have to get out of my head to like not talk about music because I'm always thinking about music. Like it's a crutch. Yeah, like sometimes I'm like, oh, we got to come up with something else to talk about here because like I'm talking about like drum hardware. Or something stupid. See, I was going to say the worst part is, especially, so Eric's a drummer, and now, but you write your solo music, and I feel like you want my advice, but then sometimes you don't want to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And then it can be awkward, because our music is totally different, but I want to give you my insight, since I've been a solo artist for so long, most of my life, I feel like sometimes, at least in the past, maybe I've hurt your feelings or something because I'm like, well, it doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listen to me. I'm a year older than you, Eric. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. That can be tricky navigating those. Because um, being an artist is so, you're so sensitive and it's so precious. And 
But then at the same time, it's a business, you know? So it's just just this weird, being a musician is just strange all around. It is weird. I'm trying to get better at listening to your advice, though. I know, you have been getting better at it. But I think what that comes from, from my perspective, is like, I don't, when when I was insecure about it, it's because I wasn't working hard enough. And like, I was, no, that's real though. Like Mm -hmm. I was really insecure about it because I was like in a dry spell of not writing a lot of material. And then when I'm in a phase where I'm writing a lot of material, I'm a lot more open to suggestion because I'm actually putting in the work. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that goes across the board in our our relationship. Like if I feel like I'm not doing, if if I'm not like putting the work in, then I'm way more, I feel like I'm way more defensive. Mm-hmm. That's just something that every couple deals with, but I definitely yeah. feel like the more work I put into it, the more open I'm going to be to mm-hmm. your suggestions. Yeah, but dating a musician is there's way more positives. I think mm-hmm. when there's two musicians that are together, there's, I think there's way more positives. But sometimes those negatives can take over. Like I've been with musicians that are jealous, or mm-hmm. I'm jealous, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes like a competition thing, and that's not good. But you and I have never faced that which I'm so grateful for. I think you and I are just kind of over that part of, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you, you and I are just, we're just older. Well, I'm, I'm not in competition and with you or, at all. It's like at, yeah. at every juncture, I want to be a support system for you. And there's been, a couple, there's been a couple of times when like, you know, no one's perfect. Like we have our moments where we're not the most supportive of each other, but there's a base level support system. And like, I want you to succeed and I want you to be happy. Same. Like, like that's, that's the core of, and that's the core of it. And I think that's like the best part mm-hmm. of being a musician is like you support each other and you understand each other because we've both been with civilians too, right? Like we've both been with non-musicians. Civilians? Civilians. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> we've both been with non-musicians though. And you like, there's times when it can get weird, you know? No, I'm dead serious. Like you're hello, trying to- Hello, ex- civilian. Hello, I'm dating a civilian. Hi, this is Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously though, like you, you're with somebody, and maybe they don't understand why you're doing what you do, and then you're like, "Hey, I have like a 12-hour rehearsal today," and then like, yeah, you know, they're they're like, "Why would you do that?" You know, like there's just like not that base level understanding where it's like with you, it's like I got to do eight interviews in a row. Like it was my birthday this year, and you had like a session on my birthday, mm-hmm. and I think like if you were in a regular relationship like the other person might be like but that's my birthday you can't work on my birthday or like you know whatever it is like Mm -hmm. but you had to do something and it took all day and then you were but then you were so sweet about it like you sent me a cake Mm -hmm. you know like you're really good at navigating those moments when you know you and I either have to work and there's like a special occasion or there's some like thing yeah true I send cake Natalie sent me a cake and it was really good Scott from Dr. Dog ate half of it though he had that sweet tooth yeah, <laughs> but we love each other. We love each other a lot. It's never easy being in any relationship. It's a lot of work. Like, but like Natalie once uh, said in a song, ups. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Round and round, ups and downs. You know. <laughs> you got your and ups. I, you got your downs. You got your ups. You got your downs. I don't and- care who you are, <laughs> civilian or musician. <laughs> <laughs> You could be, a, yeah. You can't escape it. Yeah, it's it's being in a relationship. You know, it's it's. Uh, I ran out of things to say. But yeah, it's very rewarding being, like for instance, we just did two nights at the Beacon Theater. We were opening, but still, we were there and we played, and just being there with Eric 
which at the Beacon Theater is like a bucket list place for me. It was just meaningful that I get to share those moments. Yeah, there's a couple of moments during that set where I looked over at you and I was like, this is so cool. Like yeah. I'm with not only the my best friend, the person that I love the most, but we're we're achieving this thing together and like yeah. I'm supporting her and she's like crushing it and you were sick. Like yeah. there were so many reasons to be proud. Like when you when you were singing the last song of that night, which was uh, your song It Is You, like I started to well up because I was just like, Oh, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, happy, that's it. happy Valentine's Day. Happy now. Valentine's. Um, we love you. We love you. Bye-bye. I love you. I love you. I just fucking love those two. I've known them both since before they were together, and I just love them even more as a couple. Up next, Bronx rappers Malibu Mitch and Chase Money Mars. You already know, it's the Petty Papa Hubbard Malibu Mitch. <laughs> and it's the Chase himself, Chase Money Malls, man. <laughs> well, we've been together since October 25th, 2015. <laughs> right. But I've known her for for years, like, since our childhood. Like, that, she's my childhood best friend. Yeah. You know, fake best, fake best friend, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> that used to play around with each other. <laughs> you see why I was making her my best friend. <laughs> see what that motive was about. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it just makes it a little more dope. Yeah. Oh, well, for me, the one of the worst parts will have to be. Uh, all right, so I'll be listening to a beat. I'm sorry, babe, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'll be listening to a beat and I'll be like, all right, don't tell me nothing. Don't say a flow. Don't say nothing. And he'll be like, and I'll be like, what the fuck? You just did it. <laughs> so then I'll have that flow in my head for a long. <laughs> I think that's, that's one. <laughs> to me, one of the worst things the internet. <laughs> the main thing. <laughs> Because I, I, being that, you know, we all are in the public eye and everything, I can't voice my opinion on certain things. I can't vent. You know, sometimes you get a little mad. You want to send a little sub. Just a, ooh, I, I, know you, I know you can't see the t- You ain't read my text right now, but I know you're going to see this, but I can't even do that. Because then so it might be a minor problem to us because it might not be that serious. But then when the internet see it, it'll be something else. So they, cause they might view it in a different opinion and have to blow it up and everything. So yeah. that's one of the things that we still well, do it sometimes on Facebook, not on Instagram, but on Facebook. Yeah, yeah we'll have awards. <laughs> the book, but, nobody watching. I don't yeah, care. nobody, nobody has us on our Facebook. So yeah, we be subbing all down our posts. I don't care about the book, but the gram. Nah, I ain't doing it on there. I'm not gonna do it like that. Oh my god, yeah, that's definitely one of the worst. <laughs> all right, well, to me, the best part is we share the same exact passion. So we eat, sleep, and drink the same dream. So it makes it a little more copacetic. And being that it has to do with music, it makes it that much more better because being with somebody who doesn't do music is kind of hard with the traveling and being around the certain things you have to deal with yeah. in the music world. So they, it's, it's a little easier for someone to understand if they're doing the exact, exact same thing. Yeah. They're in the same exact world, same field. They have to endure the same dumb things you got to. So it makes it a little more easier understanding. No, definitely. Because like prior relationships, they didn't understand like why I got to be in the studio mad late at night or why I got to be around all these rappers and they think, oh, you're in the studio with rappers. What are you doing? And it's like, no, they're all annoying. 
just as annoying <laughs> as you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, that would definitely be like, you know, the best part is just having somebody that fully understands your life. Music, it should be fun. It's fun to create. And I get to create with my boyfriend too because we balance off ideas. Some of my songs, he actually helps. He's so good at doing hooks. I'm like horrible. He tells You're me like, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually really good at hooks. So I'll go in on my verses and then I'll look at the corner of my eye like, I hope he's writing this hook because it's not going to write itself. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's definitely one of the best parts I mean, like, who wouldn't want to share your passion with the, with the person that you actually with because I mean, again it makes everything easier and it boosts both of your motivation because again all y'all talk about dream about and speak about is the dream y'all trying to achieve exactly so and definitely also with the situation with guys you know I hate when guys try to talk to me I absolutely hate it like you know because I'm very professional I like to come in Every, everything just because it's music doesn't make it unprofessional it's still like my 9 to 5 like if I was working at I don't know like Dwayne Reed or CVS like you know so it's like I just don't like going into situations where I feel like uh, these guys are gonna be all over me and stuff like that but when, not when he's there when he's there it's a different kind of energy and I love it <laughs> and also vice versa as well <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little crazy here because he's more chill with it. <laughs> but me, I'll stare a bitch down. I'll be like, what you looking at? We're going to do this, bitch. I'm, like, well, I'm going to stare at it. your ass just as long as you staring at him. <laughs> they ask for it. That's all I <laughs> It was so funny because yeah, one time we were at like a little bowling alley. And this girl, she tried to be too cute with him. Oh, and I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And you know, she got a plate full of chicken tenders. So, oh. of course, he's looking because the chicken tenders. And he sees the barbecue sauce. So, she's just all up in his face. So, somebody was taking a picture. So, all the pictures, she's just in the side of the picture. But, you know, I'm half Asian. Crop and I do, I do not play that. I'm half Asian and I was fully equipped in Photoshop. So, I had to Photoshop her ass out. And you, it's like it never happened. I really she wish wasn't you could even see this there. Picture. I'm, I'm going to go out my way and send yes, you the picture. You have to see. Yeah, the way she cropped it, it like, was it's so un- good. unbelievable. You you be so surprised. Like, <laughs> I was surprised. I'm like, where she go? Like, how you just like? <laughs> so cool. It looked professional, bro. I, I had to look at her like, like t- you got hidden talents. Let me know. Yeah, I do not play, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one of the best parts too. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to our little segment or whatever. I hope you guys thought it was cute, okay? Yeah, I hope y'all get some inspiration and y'all bring y'all a little closer together. And we want to wish y'all happy Valentine's Day yes, as well. Happy too, Valentine's Day. Ladies, and if you want to be petty level on me on Crop Queen, do it, do it, do it. You deserve it. Fellas, fellas, get some flowers. Nobody do that. As petty as it sounds, buy flowers. Trust yes. me, it'll mean a lot to us. And chocolate. <laughs> Forget the show. Forget the show. That is the real love and hip hop right there. Up next, Speedy Ortiz and Sad 13's Sadie Dupuy and Cloud Nothing's Dylan Baldy. I'm Sadie Dupuy from the band Speedy Ortiz. My name is Dylan. I'm in the band Cloud Nothings. And we're dating each other, and it's been somewhere between four and five years is mm-hmm. the very precise amount we came up with. Yeah, do the math. I think we're supposed to talk about how we met each other. At a show. It was at a hot dog place. <laughs> it was in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a hot dog restaurant. It was at my show. Yeah. And I met you one time... At the hot dog place, but we didn't really talk to each other. Uh, yeah. But then the second time, you were like, we're on the same label. And somehow we convinced you to come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with us. Uh, well, I like it. I like going there. 
Cool. That's why I went. <laughs> okay. What was the exhibit? Oh, I don't remember. I just remember the like Moby and Gwen signs from the the South Side video. Uh, that, okay. that was my only, my only takeaway from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I always tell you that was our first day, but you don't um, you don't agree. Well, you just described it as somehow I convinced you to do this thing. <laughs> that's not how a date starts. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of dates start. I think Speedy was opening for the Breeders at the Beachland, and Mike and I stayed on your floor in like a snowstorm. Uh-huh. I saw your bookshelf, and I was like, he has really cool comics. And then I started to have a crush on you. But we'd already been friends for a long time first, I think. Uh, Yeah, for a while. That's my, that's my end. What's yours? I don't think there was like one thing. I didn't look at like books and be like, that's the girl. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, Why not? My I books are it, sick. I think it was over a slow period of time where we were just texting and stuff. And then I would see you every once in a while. And then eventually it came to a head. <laughs> Look at us now. Wow. Doing an, doing an interview about dating. I don't know. Well, weren't we at, where did we actually, I guess in New York, while you were recording a thing, is when we actually started to date. Date. Are we supposed to talk about what it's like? Isn't that what this is about? I, is it really about how we met? I think how we started dating when we live at that time, like 12 hours from each other, is kind of interesting. I guess, yeah, it's not that fun to be that far apart. I feel like the first like long bit of time that we were interested in each other, we just kept getting booked on the same music festivals. So I would see you at like I saw yeah, you at, all like, over the place. I like Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. I saw you at like Primavera. Yeah, and it continues to happen once in a while. So I feel like we never like started dating in a place where either of us really lives, and I feel like a big part of having this particular kind of long-distance relationship is just like, oh, well, we can both show up in this weird city that neither of us lives in for, like, X amount of days. Like, oh, we're both booked for this festival. Like, let's just stay three extra days so we can hang out this month. Yeah, (laughs) and luckily my band, you know, makes tens of millions of dollars, so I have all this disposable income to just hang out everywhere all the time. Yeah, but you just, like showed up in New York with a plan to start dating me. And you had, like, a really weird mustache at the time, too. Did I have a mustache? Like, just a mustache? You had just a mustache, and I was, like, mixing a record. And you were like, hey, I'm in New York. Oh, and cool. there was, like, no real reason you were in New York. Uh, I must have had some kind of reason. I think you set up one radio session, but you had no real—you you came to, like, make something happen. Oh, that might be true. Where did we ask we started dating them? Where did you live? Boston, I guess. I lived in Boston. I lived in Cleveland. Yeah. And those are far apart. And driving 12 hours on the, what's the highway? I just sound like 90 the whole time. That's how we met. That's not how we met at all. Or that's not how we met, but that's how we like, you know, continued to meet back and forth on this one highway for a long time. Yeah. I think the long distance thing is supposed to be hard, but it's also like the only way I've ever dated anyone yeah same because <laughs> I've, I've done this band since i left high school essentially um and i've been on tour the majority of that time i mean maybe i'm being so dark um because we just came off of like an actual full month of just hanging out together at one place where you actually live you and i did you mean yeah yeah who else well you could have meant the band <laughs> 
the band I'm dating. When you say when people say we, they either mean their band or their person they're dating. Oh yeah, no, I meant you. Yeah, you and I we have just well. One of the things that I feel like is weird about dating another musician is sometimes I feel like we're trying to sync our like work schedules around each other's work schedules. Where I'll be like, oh, what are the dates that you're on tour? Like, okay, let me plan like my tour stuff around that. Or and you'll be like, oh, what are the dates that you're recording? Like, let me try writing at that time. So I feel like because we're so far apart, it's not like it's not like we can like go to work for five days and then be like, oh cool, we can like have a movie marathon this weekend. It's like, oh, we're both on tour for like three months straight. Like let's plan for this one month solid where we don't do anything other than like hang out and make salads. Uh, yeah, that's not, you're better at this interview than me. You just answered like an interview question that nobody asked. I'm better at all interviews than you. That was impressive. <laughs> we're, I feel like we're maybe an unusual musician couple because I think a lot of people who wind up dating through playing music, maybe they like play music together or like the same music or like music is like a shared part of their relationship. And I feel like that's not really like the thing that we bond most over. So in that sense, it is kind of like dating. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is my partner. And also like the bassist in my band, it's like you have your, you know, music endeavors and I have mine and we listen to kind of different things. And I wouldn't say it's like the thing that bonded us in any sense. It would creep me out to be in a band with someone I'm dating. I don't think I would like it. I think it would, I would, you saw what happened to uh, Lady Gaga. Oh, you think and you that would, guy? You think you would pee yourself on stage while I won my big award? I think I would hang myself in a garage. What's going on with you in this Valentine's <laughs> interview? Um, I mean, I guess that was a spoiler alert. I should give a spoiler alert for Star Wars Born version three. Well, what's is there like a? There were prompts. They gave us it's prompts. A, then check your email. I'm doing fine. I'm looking for the email now. Hold on. Okay. I mean, it's a Valentine's Day piece. Like, is love real? Was that the... That was the prompt? <laughs> um, I think we're just supposed to talk to each other. Yeah. No, I, I do better when there's a prompt. I'm prompting you, and you're not saying anything. You're not prompting me. I'll show you a prompt. I don't know. I think I do know people who aren't musicians who tour a lot, who date. Yeah, I would hope so. It's a good idea for a person who has to be gone all the time to date another person who has to be gone all the time. Because then you're both just gone all the time, but when you're together, you can focus on that. And that's nice, I think, rather than uh, someone being gone and someone being home and just like angry at the person who's gone. I don't think that's healthy, and I've seen that happen. But we get a little grumpy at each other, too, when we don't see each other for too long. Well, that's because I was trying to say this earlier, but you said it was dark. Uh, yeah, it's not... <laughs> It's not fun. I feel like my grumpiness threshold for when one of us is on tour is like three weeks. I can go three weeks and not hang out with you, and that's like fine. I mean, it's not like I'm not like woohoo, like he's gone, but I'm like, oh, we're working or whatever. But after three weeks, who's Nick Offerman's wife? I don't know. <laughs> Well, because I was listening to a thing where he said two weeks was their maximum time that they spend apart. That's their time. Mm-hmm. But that he would do six weeks if he could go on Survivor. So, like, outside of a tour, what would be the thing where he'd be like, it's okay to be gone for, like, 
longer than three weeks. I mean, we often are gone longer than three weeks. I think other than a tour, though, if like the reason wasn't a tour, what that I would go away for that much time. What would you be like? Okay, what would you understand? Oh, for you? Yeah. I mean, I can't really answer that. It'd be it's easier to answer for myself. Like, what opportunity that came up for me that's like very long would I go away for? What would yours be? (laughs) Mine, mine's boring. Like, what if I? Got hired to be a professor, visiting professor at like a sick school. What if Harvard called me up and was like, "Here's a bunch of money to teach eighteen-year-olds how to write songs"? I would, I would have to go do that. That's a good one. What's yours? I can't really, I can't really find any fault in that. Okay. What is mine? Yeah. I guess if someone said like you can go to the space, I would go to space. Yeah, you could go to space, and I wouldn't be mad. I would go to space for a while. Um, And then we're supposed to say, what's the best part of being partners with another musician? Well, I think that's kind of it. Like dating a person with a a more regularly scheduled job that exists in one physical location. It's hard for them to relate to just like suddenly being in another time zone for weeks at a time and... Some days you're like awake at 6 a.m. because that's when you have to start driving. And other days you're like, I'm going to sleep till 2. Yeah. Um, because you've been out till, you know, 4.30 because you had to drive overnight. I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, there's just like so much flexibility that's part of having to tour. And then so much um, wide open free time when you're home that it's helpful to have someone who like, can engage with you on that level when you aren't touring, but also like understands like, uh, I might not hear from her for, you know, however many hours today because she's on the other side of the world or like is still playing. Yeah, no, it's good. And I feel like people don't know what happens on a tour. People think you're just out there. Partying. Yucking it up, you know, yeah. with with whoever. But that's not really at least in my experience. That's certainly how some people tour, but I feel like everyone I've ever toured with is just like, oh my God, how soon can we get in bed? Yeah, that seems more normal to me. I don't know who's out there yucking it up, as I said. I like this euphemism. What's the worst part um, of dating us? This is hard for me to weigh in on because I think everybody I've dated has also played music to some degree, but... Um, when people date each other and have like different jobs or you know one person isn't in a creative job there's like a not a level of mystery to it but um i don't know it like looks like a glamorous thing from the outside so it's not like i can ever like have the identity of like your cool like musician girlfriend cuz you're like that's already your job too you know what i mean mhm yeah no it's like you're it's like dating in the aut- we're like jim and pam oh no are we Oh no. <laughs> and that's the conversation those two sent in. They didn't put a bow on it. They didn't need to put a bow on it. This is a couple that does not need everything to be tied up perfectly. We now take you to Hollywood for our cleanup batters, Heather Matarazzo and Heather Turman. Hi, I'm Heather Matarazzo. I'm Heather Terman. And we are here to talk about the best part of being partners with another filmmaker and the worst. So go for it, <laughs> partner. You sound so enthusiastic about talking about being with a filmmaker. 
I don't know. I would say there's our experience together has varied in terms of, you know, we've worked together on set as as actors and also you as a lead actor, me as a writer producer. And I would say the best part of of working or wait, the best part of being with uh, like having a partner of, that's a filmmaker as well. Yeah, the best part of being partners with another filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think it's just that you get it that 20 like you know, I'm consumed by thoughts, by creative thoughts um, within creating content within film and everything that I write, every idea I come up with, you're the first person that I share it with and you get it immediately, you see it immediately or you offer up the perfect reason why it doesn't work, <laughs> which <laughs> is, I would say, a great thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and what would you say is the worst um, I don't know. I don't know that there's necessarily maybe just that you know it's in terms of structure. We both um are all over the place, so it's sort of nothing is traditional. But I don't. I, I mean, I don't. That would be the quote unquote worst thing. But I don't take that necessarily as a bad thing. Hmm. I mean, in the disagreements when when they do come because they come occasionally, especially when we have written together. Yeah, you know, and get in to be on the same page and and speak the same language and getting to have clarity and and also getting to be mature enough to recognize when one is wrong. Of course. Which I think it you know, it ends up then getting to be the best part. Exactly. That's um, what I was saying like even the cons are really hidden pros. It's just it doesn't always feel great to hear that your idea doesn't work or that your thought isn't received as positively as you hope, but it's great getting to be in an experience where it's always honest and it's never bullshit. Like there's no, you know, politics that go into whether or not you like something I've written or you don't, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You have a tremendous amount of ideas, which is something that I get jealous of occasionally. You're an idea machine. And then on top of that, you you execute right away. Um, whereas I feel like that fat bear from Robin Hood that just, you know, is stewing about in my own juices. Well, isn't this true about our spirit animals? <laughs> We'd uh, gotten a reading with spirit animals and mine, of course, is a kangaroo that moves quickly. Yeah. It's going, going, going. Yeah. Execution. Doesn't yeah. go backwards. Yeah. Gets Picks the direction and goes with it, but yours yeah. is a spider and it sits there mm-hmm. and when it's ready to strike, it fucking strikes. And I think that that's also your greatest strength is that you don't waste time on any bullshit project. When you know something's correct, you give your energy to it. When it's not, when it doesn't feel right, you're very in touch with that side of yourself and you know right away that it's not the one. Yeah, and and that I think can be frustrating, at least for me sometimes, where sometimes I just don't get it. It's, right. Sometimes I I just don't get it and it... It doesn't mean that it's it's not right. It just means that it might not necessarily be right for me. Well, sure, you know it's and, and that's the thing too. I think about getting to continually learn each other's languages because when we collaborated on that thing we had gotten hired to do, I feel as though 
your your strength lies in the execution. Sure. And building the foundation. <laughs> and I'm really good at picking out the curtains or something. I don't fucking know. It's, <clears throat> you know, like collaboration with anybody, but getting to... I think the biggest thing is that we always support each other regardless. 100%. Oh yeah, for a hundred percent, a million. That's the thing is that I trust your opinion completely. And that's really the nice thing is that like I can be really stubborn and think that nobody knows best. Nobody knows but me. Like I'm the only one, you know, and that's my, I think, uh, creator ego that I have. But every time you come through with an idea, it's always the better idea. Like especially like, like in an onset scenario. It's it's a journey like anything else, you know, and it's getting to have respect for each other's strengths and and getting to hold space for each other's weaknesses. I think that your mind is so brilliant and you've allowed me to broaden my peripheral vision in in terms of what is funny and what can be funny, not yes. just professionally but also personally, which yeah. then bleeds into professionally anyway. So Yes, it's true. I feel like your comedic insight has grown quite a bit since <laughs> I've pointed out that like that's funny, Heather. Yeah. It doesn't have to be tragic all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been with a lot of people who aren't filmmaking, who yeah. aren't into filmmaking. Yeah. And uh it has not worked. So I, uh, if artists can work together and truly respect each other, I think it's a beautiful union. It's a, it's a gift. Absolutely. And with that too, I would say that part of filmmaking, I think, is getting to continually define your voice and, and all that jazz and getting to be able to have a partner that holds space for you to find said voice um, without coming in like a battering ram to <laughs> say where you're wrong. Right. You know, so yeah. I love you. <laughs> I received that. I love you. And happy Valentine's Day, everybody. That is true love. And I'll tell you, this next one is as well. The wonderful Katie Crutchfield, aka Waxahachie, and Kevin Morby. Testing, testing. Testing. This is awkward because there's no one here interviewing us. And we're just here talking to each other like we would normally be. Yeah. Though, it's like it normally would be, but it's a little different. It's, yeah, it's a little performative. I feel like we're talking to an imaginary man, a DJ man. Yeah, let's pretend like there's an imaginary DJ man. That actually might help Okay, let's say his name's DJ. Okay. I'll pretend that I'm DJ. Okay. What is it like to be in a relationship with another musician? Katie, do you want to go first? Yeah, well, we're supposed to talk about the highs and the lows. So there's a lot of good things about it. I've really only ever dated other musicians. It's like, that's kind of, I've never not dated a musician, but this is the first time I've ever dated someone who was like a real deal, kind of married to the craft songwriter. And that. Who's that? <laughs> Kevin Morby. <laughs> He's about to pick up the guitar. <laughs> to just make us even I'm just going to score this interview. Okay, great. Keep going. So, um, <laughs> it's going to distract me. Just keep going. Um, so, yeah, that's it's really great. I feel like I Kevin like listens to the things that I work on as I work on them. I definitely listen to the things he works on as he works on them. I really take his opinions, like positive, negative, criticisms, all those things, like really to heart. And it, I think it 
helps my whole process quite a bit. Um, so I think that's one of the best things about it. I think the other is that, I don't know, we both... Maybe it's time for Kevin. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Keep going. Okay, my second fold, and then you can have the floor, Kevin, is... I, I didn't say anything. DJ, <laughs> DJ was DJ, interrupting. DJ, DJ's a sexist. DJ is DJ. A, DJ. Don't fuck that with That kind her. of sexism is not tolerated in the music business anymore. Um, I'm sexist. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second thing that's really good about it, I think, is that... We both tour and travel like crazy, and we understand the very unique position that we are both in. So I think that that's really cool. That's exactly what I was going to say, all of that. I think when you date a person who's not a musician, they think that your life is this big roller coaster ride. It's super fun. Not a roller coaster ride. They think it's just a fun ride. Because roller coasters have ups and downs. Yeah. They think this is a ride that is, yeah, just glamorous. And that when you're out on the road, you're having so much fun. Um, so dating someone who does what you do when you're a touring musician, you know, they really get the dirty facts of the road. They understand that it's it's a hard job. It's grueling. It's really hard to be away from home, those people you love. And it's not people's faults that they don't understand that. It's a very unique thing to be a musician. But um, to date someone who understands that is, is such a big deal and has made this relationship work so well, I think. Just, uh, <laughs> why are you smiling? <laughs> Just, you know, I, it's like, it's it's really important, I think, you know, because you want to complain a lot as a, as a musician. When you're on the road, you want to complain, but people don't want to hear your complaints because people will think like, oh, well, I have to work a real job and, you know, you've got it so easy. And while there is definitely truth in that, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's, also a job that has its grueling parts to it and, you know, can really take its toll on you. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. I think, like, one of the hardest things about, like, being a touring musician, especially, like, kind of like the ringleader of whatever project it is, is that I think, like, on the surface, like, superficially, it seems like this really just nothing but good. It's just, like, the best job anyone could ever have. And there's a lot of things about it that are really hard, and I feel like that's it's cool that we can connect over that and like relate and complain to each other without sounding like ungrateful or something like that. It's really nice. Yeah, definitely. It's also nice because you're a musician. When you have time off, you're able to come with me on the road or vice versa. Whereas if you know if you had a normal job or just not a normal job, but just any other job that um, made you be in one place for long periods of time. You wouldn't be able to do that, so it's it's yeah. really nice, and that really helps out with going on tour and stuff, and also just being able to speak the language of music, of bouncing ideas off of one another, and also, you know, we're at like the same point in our careers, and we know all the sort of players involved and all the industry people, so we can kind of talk about this stuff, and we know what we're we're talking about. Yeah, uh, it's nice to just like have a person to go to about all my creative stuff, and just feel like your opinion or your take on it all like really reflects it back to me in a really great like really sort of like productive way like I feel it, the same about you like I when I make something new I'm always just like really excited to share it with you and talk to you about it yeah really you nice. as well yeah. I agree and then there's the the added bonus of we can it's kind of cool it's kind of like we have this power like if wherever anywhere we can always like play music you know we can mm -hmm. always like if you're on the road with me and you want to come out and sing a song that's totally doable I think we kind of keep our boundaries of we don't want to collaborate too much, 
you know, we don't want to hate each other like in the way that bandmates can end up hating one another, but it's nice to collaborate here and there where it feels mm-hmm. healthy. Yeah, I think our like level of collaboration always just feels like fun. Like it's just yeah. like an extra fun like It's always like a fun like you can come out for the encore. It's like dessert. Yeah, yeah it's like dessert. <laughs> it is like dessert. <laughs> oh, okay, so what's the bad stuff? The bad stuff, I think the bad stuff is <laughs> I think the bad stuff is... You seemed really eager to talk about the bad stuff, so let's... No, it's, I was just thinking about it because I was thinking, you know, as we're talking about the good stuff, I was like, what are the bad things? And it's kind of the, the good things can also be bad, you know, being so involved in the same thing. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, man, like, our lives are just the music industry. Like, you're in the music industry, I'm in the music industry. How do we escape it? You yeah. know, there's those feelings of, like, how do you shut it off when your whole life is that? And so I think that's just... You know, that's something that we have to uh, work on. We have to get comfortable and find ways to kind of just turn that part of our brain off and not, yeah. not think about it. We just live inside of it all the time. Yeah, so it's, it's never yeah. it's never not there. Yeah, I think, too, like, one of the challenges is that we're not always in the same place with that, too. So, like, there are times where, I mean, I even, like, like yes. right now, I kind of feel like you're, like busy, 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 and, like, kind of have a bunch of stuff going on, and I'm really trying to turn the whole thing off. So, like, that, the balance of that can be, I think, I think both good and bad. I think, like, I can kind of pull you out of it. You can kind of pull me into it when I, like, need to kind of feel that sort of sense of purpose that being a musician, like, doing my job gives me. So, like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it can be good, but it also can be bad if, like, what we... You know, yeah, that's true. Need is different at that time. Yeah, um, I think that's that's definitely true. I think the important thing to remember with, when you're dating another musician or someone who does the same thing as you, no matter what that is, is that dating anyone is difficult. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it can be diff- or it can have its difficult times. I remember when we first started dating. I was in a car with a bunch of other musicians, and I told them that I was dating a musician. They're all like, "Oh no, no, you need to find someone who does something you don't know anything about." Who is this? I'm going <laughs> to have a word with them. I'll tell you after the, okay. the, the audio's off. Okay. Um, but they don't know you, and they didn't. It's my first time meeting this person. Right. It's a great person. And, you know, they were just like, you need to find someone who does something that, like, you have no idea what it is, you know, mm. or else it'll get competitive or it'll get this or that. I understand that as, like, a sort of broad statement um, or generalization. But I think the the key to remember is no matter what you do or who you are, there's always going to be ups and downs and difficulties. Nothing's perfect. And it's just about, you know, what you kind of put in, you get out of it. Totally. I agree. I guess maybe to my last little point for still talking about the bad things is um, that what you said about like it getting competitive, I feel like if I ever find myself comparing myself to you or like your productivity or, you know, your songs or whatever, your ticket sales, all those things. Like the thing that I am quick to go to now is like, oh, that's just like, that's, a me problem that's not like an us problem that's mm-hmm. not I, I'm pretty quick to be like oh I need to like not be looking at it that way and, sure, and sure, sure, so sure. anytime that that's so that's you know if I'm feeling extra competitive or something then I can kind of be like oh that's my problem not yours totally and I think that that sort of thing you know that's it's occupying a jealous part of your brain which would be filled up by something else in a different relationship or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's. I feel like we have these parts of our brain that are always searching, like, how can I feel this way? How can I feel bad about this thing or something? You know, like, oh man, they got asked to do this thing. Why didn't I get that offer? Yeah. You know, like, I'm a musician too. Right. And, but yeah. you got to just not look at that 
you know, because that you could also in a different relationship that would be like, well, why do they get to stay home and I have to go work or something? Yeah, you know? of course. I think like it's important in those moments of jealousy in general um, to try and access some kind of like bigger, like abundance of like love and, and happiness for the other person. Like, oh, that person gets to do this or. Yes, exactly. Gets, you know, and it doesn't mean anything about me at all. And also knowing that like the great, when you're in a relationship, anything good happening to an individual in the relationship ultimately benefits the whole. Yeah. Which is good. And yeah, I think it's, uh, dating a musician is great. It's got many perks. It really works out for me. Same. Um, It's all, you you get what you give, you know? Yeah, you get what you give. That's a good, good closer. All right. Cool. Happy Valentine's Day, Talk House. Thanks, DJ. Happy Valentine's Day. Take it easy. Katie and Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And thank you again to all of our guests and to you listeners for tuning in for the TalkHouse's special Bonanza Valentine's Day episode. Big love to my wife, Amy Phillips. Listeners, a bunch of today's artists have contributed either written pieces to TalkHouse.com or joined us here on the TalkHouse podcast previously. You can find that all on our website. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe and also check out our new episodes weekly on Spotify.com. Why'd I say .com? Anyway, you get the point. Spotify. Check out some very cute selfies that each of the couples sent us on all of our socials. It's at TalkHouse, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I want to give a big shout to something that's about to kick off tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the 14th, February 15th, 16th, and 17th, Pitchfork Radio is live from the Art Institute Chicago during Midwinterfest. Mark, the producer, and I are heading out for our other gig. You all might have caught an episode we released featuring Jalen in conversation with William Bozinski. Well, guess what? We have a TalkHouse Live rematch between those two fantastic artists happening on Pitchfork Radio from Chicago. Make sure to check out TalkHouse's event page for that or pitchfork.com slash radio. Thanks to all of today's artists for doing the heavy lifting on engineering their own conversations. That's right. We're talking to you, Nat Slick, Malibu Mars, Speedy Nothings, The Heathers, Wexamorby, all of you. Our love struck producer is Mark Yoshizumi. I'm your host, Ellie Einhorn. And from our couch here in Fort Greene, I'm signing off for this episode. Peace. Well, anyway, I love you and happy Valentine's Day. Mwah. Ah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want, let's not have the kiss in there, but that's kind of cheesy. <laughs>